0: Section Seven of the American Postal Service, Second Edition. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The American Postal Service, Second Edition by Lewis Melius. Chapter Four: Special Articles, Part Two the parcel post and the opposition to its establishment the splendid showing made in the recent reports of the postmaster-general touching the growth and development of the parcel post in this administration must be of interest to the people of the country for whose benefit this measure has been so successfully conducted its admitted usefulness brings forcibly to mind the struggle through which this measure passed before the force of public opinion and the evident advantage it foreshadowed secured its ultimate adoption while in the american republic history is rapidly made and startling changes are not of infrequent or uncommon occurrence it is however true that subjects which provoke discussion because cherished interests are endangered or settled opinions of public policy liable to be overthrown require time in which to adjust themselves to changing conditions the student of political economy will be interested to note how these changes of time and condition affect the opinion and views of men identified with public affairs what seems wisdom and good judgment in one generation is opposed and set aside in another both acting for the general welfare and inspired by patriotic purpose the proper scope and purpose of government in its relation to the people whom it serves is always a matter of deep concern not only as to the views held by those appointed to administer public affairs but also in the opinions and ideas of the people themselves while a great principle may remain in many minds the same unchanged and reluctant to change conditions may operate to produce views entirely dissimilar and completely at variance with those of another and previous period two greatly divergent and distinctive opinions have divided the thinkers and the statesmen of our country as to the proper functions of a government such as this this difference arising from the educational environment of many leaders of public opinion easily became a matter of accepted political or party belief between those who held to the limitations of delegated authority and those who inclined to wider power and greater privilege both have had earnest and strenuous advocates but the tendencies of the times conclusively point to the growing acceptance of the latter as more suited to a great and growing nation whose needs may not be fettered by tradition or obstinate blindness to the march of progress but must recognize the paramount interests of the people whose welfare should always be the chief concern the parcel post is now a recognized benefit to the country all classes and conditions profit by its mutual advantage the gigantic strides to popular favor cannot be measured or adequately described the burdensome exactions of the high tariffs which corporate enterprise so long interposed have been lifted and closer relation established between buyer and seller by which both are the gainer as no compromise was possible where monopoly was concerned it remained for the government to set aside the question of limited powers and give the people of the country the benefit to which they were entitled but which monopoly denied viz the opportunity to profit by the use of the facilities which were at hand and which have proven so thoroughly effective Two names stand out prominently in this connection—the statesman whose thorough knowledge of the subject and whose earnest and intelligent efforts shaped and directed this great public measure, and the public official whose hearty cooperation assured its success. Hon. David J. Lewis of Maryland and Hon. Albert S. Burleson, the Postmaster General, deserve the thanks of the country for their work in this beneficial enterprise, and the meed of praise will not be withheld." the old-time belief in the necessity of curbing the ambitious designs of those who were striving to open the way to an enlargement of government privilege is strikingly seen in the attitude of postmaster-general Jewell in his annual report to congress in eighteen seventy four in referring to the activity then already seen to widen the scope of the post-office department and engage in enterprises held by many at the time and the postmaster-general in particular as foreign to the sphere of duties and intended purposes and powers of the department mr jewell said i would suggest that the time has come when a resolute effort should be made to determine how far the post office department can properly go in its efforts to accommodate the public without trespassing unwarrantably on the sphere of private enterprise there must be a limit to governmental interference, and happily it better suits the genius of the american people to help themselves than to depend on the state to communicate intelligence and disseminate information are the primary functions of this department any divergence from the legitimate sphere of its operations tends to disturb the just rule that in the ordinary business of life the recipient of a benefit is the proper party to pay for it since there is no escape from the universal law that every service must in some way be paid for by some one moreover in a country of vast extent like ours where most of the operations of the department are carried on remote from the controlling centre the disposition to engage in lateral enterprises more or less foreign to the theory of the system may lead to embarrassments whence extrication would be difficult although the advocates of the privileged rights of private enterprise have ever resisted the entrance of government into the field of national endeavour the triumphant progress of the parcel post under departmental direction has silenced all captious objection for its admitted adaptation to the needs of the country and its growing popularity among the people attests the fact that no limitations can be wisely set in public affairs which bars the progress of an intended benefit an attempt was later made in nineteen o one to check the growth of public sentiment favorable to the establishment of the Parcel Post, for which a bill has been introduced into Congress by a concerted movement-by whom originated is not known-which aimed to arouse the merchants in rural sections in opposition thereto a widespread propaganda the object of which was to flood president mckinley with a stereotyped circular signed by these rural merchants all over the country in order that such measure might not meet with his approval because of the wreck and ruin it would be sure to create to what extent this movement was carried on or what attention it received from president mckinley is not known but the fears of postmaster-general Jewell or the alarm of the rural merchants was not borne out in the light of subsequent events as the successful progress of the parcel post has abundantly demonstrated this popular measure was however not to be secured for the public good without strenuous effort even in these latter days when its early adoption was so clearly foreseen it still had to encounter opposition the lingering echo of previous struggle its friends had to meet and combat resistance within and without the halls of legislation and it was only by determined purpose and a concert of effort that criticism was finally silenced and the measure written into the statutes of the nation congress passed the act august twenty fourth nineteen twelve and the struggle of nearly half a century was at an end with the popular will triumphant first recommended in eighteen ninety two law passed by congress august second nineteen twelve became operative january first nineteen thirteen it is in operation on forty five thousand rural routes and a billion parcels are carried annually parcels may be sent c o d may be insured three cents for parcels valued up to five dollars or less and a low graduated scale up to one hundred dollars indemnity is paid for partial loss or damage Rate is charged by weight in pounds and by zones. Books are now admitted and all classes of proper merchandise accepted. Weight is limited to 50 pounds for first and second zones, 150 miles, and to 20 pounds beyond. Postmasters will give all necessary information. Interesting Facts About Postmasters General Excluding the border states, the south properly speaking has had but two men in the office of postmaster-general since the days of benjamin franklin joseph habersham of georgia and albert sidney burleson of texas the more populous states of the east with their political power and material advantages have had the greatest number of such appointments twenty-three of the forty-eight men who have held that office have come from that section the border states have had fifteen and the west only eight it was not until eighteen sixty six that the west was at all recognized in the appointment of such cabinet officer when alexander w randall of wisconsin was chosen by president johnson subsequently that state furnished three more postmasters-general viz howe villas and payne in eighteen twenty nine the postmaster-general became a member of the cabinet by the action of president jackson his first appointee to that position hon william t barry of kentucky receiving that honor in considering the states of the union which have been most fortunate in appointments to this office it is found that pennsylvania and new york have each had six to their credit connecticut kentucky tennessee and wisconsin four each massachusetts maryland and ohio three each and the remainder scattered among the eighteen states from which all the postmasters general have been selected the term of service was it seems much longer in the olden days than at present from seventeen seventy five to eighteen fifty seventy five years there were only seventeen men in that position gideon granger of connecticut having served thirteen years and eight months and return j miggs of ohio nine years and three months from eighteen fifty to nineteen thirteen sixty three years there have been thirty-one men in that office whether the shifting currents of political life and expediency or other causes have operated to make changes in this office it appears that many occurred in the administrations of some of our chief executives roosevelt for instance had four postmasters general grant arthur and cleveland in the latter's two terms also had four washington and buchanan three Jackson, Fillmore, Lincoln, Hayes, and McKinley, to each. The remainder of the presidents evidently retained the men that they had originally appointed. Withdrawal of Letters from the Mail It may not be generally known that a letter once mailed can be withdrawn. Such is, however, the case. Letters may be withdrawn from the mails at the office of mailing by satisfactory identification, a written address in the same handwriting, if address was written, or such other evidence as will satisfy the postmaster of the applicant's right to withdrawal. If letter has already been dispatched, the postmaster may telegraph to the point of destination for withholding such letter from delivery, or to a railway postal clerk in whose custody the letter is known to be, carefully describing the same and requesting its return return a sum must be deposited with the postmaster sufficient to defray all expenses incurred handling of the mail Official mail comes to the department, addressed to the several bureaus. It is then opened, assorted to the various divisions, and redistributed to the clerks according to the subjects named or special duties assigned to each. The divisions are supervised by the official in charge, under whose direction the work is done and by whom the responsibility is assumed. He advises with and suggests methods of operation, and in important matters involving special correspondence, assumes direct charge himself himself letters written by clerks are submitted to the chief for examination before being initialed for mailing or for the signature of the bureau heads where such signature is required letters are answered according to date of receipt all reasonable promptness being enjoined Filing is done according to the nature and duties of the various bureaus, and the character of correspondence and papers in use. Approved systems are followed, and metal filing cases generally employed. In the Bureau of the Fourth Assistant, where monthly reports are received in connection with the regular mail, during the month of January 1917, the amount so received aggregated 72,000 pieces and 46,000 pieces of mail were dispatched ordinary handwork could not dispose of such amounts with the force assigned therefore mechanical devices for opening and sealing mail are employed for the purpose messengers gather the outgoing mail by regular rounds and it is dispatched as soon as brought to the mailing room a work of considerable magnitude in this bureau is now being conducted, viz. the purging of the accumulated rural and star route files, and correspondence which has so grown in bulk as to make both search and handling difficult. It was a much-needed reform, and will be found of especial value in filing operations. COST ACCOUNTING By means of an accurate cost-keeping system devised for the equipment shops, but which can be adapted to any form of clerical expense, great improvements have been made and savings effected. All mail equipment is now supplied at a greatly reduced cost and in improved form. Supplies for post offices are judiciously and economically handled under the system now in operation, all discoverable waste checked and the service greatly benefited. The direct, the indirect, and the overhead charges can now be clearly ascertained in any form of manufacturing enterprise and the cost in any direction definitely known it was a long-felt need in economical administration and its introduction in the post office department has been of decided advantage cleansing mail-bags the life of a mail bag is about six years and after being dragged about on railroad platforms and other places they accumulate an amount of dust and dirt which renders them unfit for handling when returned to the bag-shop for repair the old practice was to shake them out by hand but in the hurry and hassle of business this was but imperfectly done and there was constant complaint among the operators and clamour for a better system after many experiments and various tests a method was at length devised which cleans them thoroughly and does away with the discomfort under which the work was done the method finally adopted consists of large tumbling barrels or cages made of wood with slats and fashioned in the shape of a star holding several hundred bags each driven rapidly by electric power the bags are thoroughly shaken and escaping dust confined in a tightly constructed room and carried off by blowers into an immense canvas bag resembling a dirigible balloon when inflated at stated intervals the end of this bag is opened and the dirt and dust removed four thousand bags a day are now successfully treated by this process end of section seven